Public CEO Report is a podcast that provides insights about the public sector and public policy for the benefit of decision makers and leaders powering our communities. I'm your host, writer Todd Smith, and today we're joined by Jesse Chang, founder of My Mask Movement. My Mask Movement creates custom manufactured masks that are helpful for frontline workers uh, addressing the pandemic and reducing uh, exposure risk to the novel coronavirus. Jesse, thanks for joining us today. It's great to have you here. Thanks, Ryder. It's really good to be on. So what is My Mask Movement? My Mask Movement is a social enterprise that I started back on March 9, 2020, when I got a call from my little brother, who's actually a frontline ICU doctor. And both him and his wife, they're both frontline doctors, and they're also new parents. When I was speaking to him, I heard about this really extreme shortage that they were facing with N95 masks and how he had to spray down his mask with Lysol. And when I heard about this, it just shocked me. I wanted to do something about it. And even though I've never worked on medical devices before, nor have anyone on my team, we do have a lot of experience in 3D. I've spent over the past decade working on 3D. And so I went to that skill set and went to that network and created a new technology that today enables you to make completely 100% bespoke face masks. Now, one of the things that's very important to know about a respirator, which is actual PPE, like the N95 versus something like a cloth mask, is that it's airtight. In order to really get a good airtight fit, you need to have it so that you have the right size. However, with a lot of these masks today, if not only is it hard to get access to an N95, when you do find an N95, good luck finding one in your size. So today, many frontline healthcare workers not only have to go in with questionable supply of PPE, if they do get an N95 mask, they haven't necessarily been fitted for it. And on top of that, it's plagued with supply chain problems, including a lot of counterfeit N95 masks. And so that's why we wanted to create a solution where we can make these masks here in America using digital manufacturing. And not only can we make masks that are available here with guaranteed supply, we can do so at very high scale and we can do so while making the masks even better than what you would get using today's current technology. So you just said a ton of stuff there, and I want to uh, unpack a lot of it because there's some important things that you've said that were, frankly, things I hadn't fully considered um, when you and I first started talking and I had a conversation with you about uh, my mask movement and the mission behind it. So uh, first thing to just discuss, I mean, there's a lot of talk about masks uh, around the world, certainly here in America. There's debate about masks. I was just reading a headline today uh, where the CDC, a CDC director was stating that the mask was the most important utility, greater of more importance than, frankly, a vaccine is what he supposedly said uh, when it came to combating the pandemic. Um, we, as a as a average Joe, I don't have an N95 mask. I have various masks we wear that are cloth masks around our face um, that we use for Trepepe Smith and going to the grocery store. You know, my understanding is those masks are intended to prevent what I'm exhaling from getting too far, dispersing too far and wide and becoming a problem if I happen to be asymptomatic. Of course, if you're sick, you're supposed to stay home. Um, the mask that you held up there, uh, which I'll ask you to kind of give us a tour on in a moment, 
is more designed around a different concept in that instead of worrying about preventing the exhalation of sickness, although that would probably, I assume, achieve that, it is also designed to prevent the actual inhaling of uh, coronavirus uh, that would result in one getting sick because it has such a tight seal that can face. Is that an accurate statement? So here's the thing about surgical masks and cloth masks. What they don't do is provide airtight seal. What they are considered is instead source control, which is, as you said, only intended to prevent you from infecting others and don't necessarily give you protection against getting infected from airborne particles yourself, like coronavirus. However, one of the most essential elements to creating effective protection is that airtight seal. Now, people like you, Ryder, or anyone listening to this podcast that isn't a frontline healthcare worker are going to have difficulty getting access to N95 masks because currently they're being rationed and they're being supplied by state and federal governments, which leads municipalities in a pretty tough spot because municipalities actually employ a lot of essential workers. Think about the garbage collectors. Think about law enforcement. Think about firefighters. Think about even social workers, people that are really important to the central functioning of America and the backbone of America. And by the way, a predominantly diverse work, an increasingly diverse workforce that struggles to get a mask that not only prevents them from infecting others, but also gives them adequate protection. I think we can do better than that. I think we owe them better than that. And our real mission here is to conquer fear with love by equipping these essential workers with the PPE that they need so that they can go forth in confidence into society to do the work that they need to get done. And so people like yourself and all the other people that have been, quote, non-prioritized are able to get masks. So uh, to, I guess, to, to make sure we clarify that point then, by having that complete seal and then routing the, um, routing the air intake through this mask filter on the front, the intent is that it would reduce your risk of, of picking up the, the coronavirus when you are out and about inhaling. Is that an accurate statement? Yes, that's right. So here's what's going on. When you have a surgical mask on, you'll notice that sometimes when you breathe out, for example, one of these things. If you put it on and you blow out, you can see it, you can feel it rushing past the side. And when you breathe out as well, you can feel your glasses fog up. Right. All of these are exposure points that can let airborne particles infiltrate and infect you. So now with the airtight fit, however, the air goes through the filter. And because the air is going through the filter, well, you have an extra level of protection. You know, this is a matter of protected, not protected. Source control versus actual PPE. All right. So then uh, give me, why don't you give our audience just a quick tour, like t turn around, show me the parts of that mask and, and what, what it looks like and how it works. Be happy to. So before I go into all of this, right, first of all, to get one of our masks, what you have to do is you download our app from the App Store. 
you go to the app store, you download My Mask Movement, and then once you scan your face, you hit Print My Mask. In nine days, you will get one of our masks in the mail sent straight to you. As so. So just so we're clear about that, the uh, app that you're talking about is designed to use the depth of field capabilities within like an iPhone in order to actually 3D map your face to create the perfect fit for that mask so it fits exactly over your face. And so, I'm realizing you probably didn't just hear what I just said. So no, let me, uh, I did. I'll say I that didn't again. hear that. Yeah, that's so, okay. You were, you were doing what you need to do. So just so I could clarify for the audience, the intent here with the app is that it will use the camera technologies on modern iPhones to do a 3D three-dimensional map of your face structure. And that data will get fed into a custom printing device that will ultimately result in creating a custom fit mask that will perfectly fit around the mouth. Yes, that's right. So simply stated, you scan your face using your iPhone. Once you scan your face, we take care of the rest. We create a model that completely fits you and only you. And then we send it to our distributed network of additive manufacturers, all based here in America. And then in nine days or less, just like getting an Amazon package, it comes straight to your door. So now, can you talk... Can you talk a little bit, take take a second there, when, explain a little bit further about the US-based manufacturing. And I, I only raise this point because, for example, I was just reading a story that broke yesterday about um, border custom and border patrol stopped an inbound shipment of about 500,000 masks coming out of uh, China that uh, apparently counterfeit or aren't really in 95 masks. And so they were bound for New Jersey, which theoretically would then distributed them to a bunch of folks uh, without them actually being true in 95 masks, and frankly, could have, as a result, put more people at risk because they would have assumed they were safe with them. So, could you, um, could you just explain about the onshoring of that manufacturing process generally, how that works, without giving away your secret sauce, and discuss why that's important? Yeah. Well, you know, first of all, the counterfeit mask was also one of my major concerns. It turns out that not only are we getting masks that aren't actually effective they're in fact dangerous many of these masks come laden with asbestos that's right asbestos the same stuff that gives you very scary forms of cancer right and so not only are you getting a false sense of security you're actually putting yourself at a higher risk level and so in this way i think there's a real opportunity to create a domestic supply chain where there's traceability and there's accountability, none of which you get when you have a very extensive foreign supply chain. So this is why I think it's really important that we make the masks in America and we make the masks in Canada for Canadians and we also make masks in Africa for Africans. We want to make it so that not only are countries sovereign in terms of their political power, but also in terms of their right to breathe. And so that's one of the very important missions of our enterprise at My Mask Movement. Now to answer your question around, okay, you know, what's going on with this decentralized network here in America? Well, simply stated, you know, we have several of these high grade industrial scale added manufacturing machines 
they're able to produce these at consistently high qualities and also able to do so at scale. In one month, we're able to make the equivalent of 3 million single-use N95s. And so to put that into perspective, you know, over there, if you're the, the shipment that you were talking about, that was 500,000 counterfeit masks. Okay, so Jesse, um, just talk to me a little bit about the US-based manufacturing process and why that is important and kind of what the quality of those facilities are that are manufacturing the mass here in the USA. Yeah, so here's what's really important about manufacturing in the USA. For something as important as PPE, where it's a matter of life and death, you don't wanna go in wondering, is this mask I'm wearing a real mask? Is this mask perhaps laden with asbestos. That is fundamentally one of the problems that I think is ripe today with the PPE market, is the sense of insecurity, insecurity in supply, and also lack of confidence in the supply chain. You don't know where that mask came from. If China's banning all the exports of their N95 masks, and they manufacture over 70% of the world's N95 masks, and you're getting N95 masks manufactured in China here in America, one has to wonder, where did that mask come from? How did that mask get to America? Is it the same channels the Dido shoes come from? Frankly, that's not a risk I'm willing to take myself. And for me and for people like my little brother, I want to make sure that they can get a mask that they know will work, that they can have confidence in. And so that's why we created this solution here. And that's why it was very important to us that we have a completely indigenous supply chain. Every single component on this mask is manufactured here in America in states like Colorado, California, Tennessee, and Virginia. So we're making masks in America for Americans, and in that way, restoring American sovereignty and restoring the ability of America to protect its essential workers, including municipal governments. Okay. Uh, why don't you go ahead and you can take your mask off too if you want so that you can be oh, through the rest of this interview too. Um, oh, it's real comfortable, in fact. Oh, that's true. I guess I shouldn't imply it's not uncomfortable otherwise. But so Here's the thing, you know, I think what one of the things people need to understand is that in general, when you have something that's actually airtight, like an N95 mask or like our mask, you know, it is a matter of can you achieve airtight fit while main, ensuring the comfort of your wares? Because if it's not comfortable, then people aren't going to wear it. You know, you'll see doctors actually go into operating rooms and then they'll quote-unquote, break the seal by, like, flinching their cheeks and whatnot so that they can breathe a little bit better. And so for us, because we are able to 3D scan your face and because we have a very accurate 3D model of your face, we can make the mask completely evenly distributed across the different points of your skin versus concentrating pressure mm -hmm. on just a few points which creates those very scary facial ulcers that you see on pictures of doctors that wear N95 masks for eight hour shifts. Right. 
That makes sense. So you're effectively distributing the seal points across a broader swath of the face to uh, alleviate those pressure points on the face. Basic physics. Yeah, basic physics. I, I like physics. Physics physics is truth. Um, so could you, you had made an earlier comment or when we were discussing this about that you essentially had the capacity to manufacture the equivalent of, um, uh, I think it was uh, 3 million um, N95 masks with the capacity you have to print and manufacture these in the U.S. Uh, partly, I assume that number is rooted in the fact that the mask you're wearing is designed to be reusable, which is another key point. Uh, how, how uh, like, first of all, is the idea that the filter can come out of the front of the mask and replace it so that uh, you just swap out the filter every now and then, but the mask, obviously, you just keep using it over and over again? Yes, that's right, Ryder. So specifically, we've designed this mask together with the input of doctors here at Stanford, including my co-founder, Dr. Stanley Liu, who actually is a EMT doctor and facial reconstruction expert. So one of the things that we learned during this customer discovery process and working through Operation Centurion, which was getting our masks to 100 frontline doctors through Stanley's network, was that it's really important that you can sterilize these masks. And so for us, what we designed this mask to be able to be sterilized with are very common techniques available at most hospitals and easily accessible by your everyday man. So specifically at a hospital, you can use single chamber sterilization techniques and you can clean it up to temperatures of 80 degrees Celsius. As a consumer at home, you can throw it in your dishwasher. That's right, in your dishwasher, so long as it doesn't exceed a temperature of 80 degrees Celsius, and you can wear it for up to a year. And then swap out the filters every 30 days. You remove the front part of the mask, you put in a new filter cassette, and you keep going every 30 days. And so what we provide here is not just the mask, we also provide the filters. We've secured the filter supply chain with minimum supply agreements whereas everything, again, is manufactured here in North America. And we, in this way, not only are we offering PPE, but we're offering a service, which I think as we are learning here today during this pandemic is important when it comes to your life-saving equipment. It's like a fire department. You don't want to have to create a fire department when there's a wildfire. You need a fire department there, even during times of peace and stability. Likewise, you don't want PPE supply chains to have to be spun up during an emergency. You want that ability domestically available on demand. And with our solution, the service that we offer, the guarantees that we're able to provide municipal governments, that's exactly what we do. We provide PPE as a service. Uh uh, that makes total sense in terms of not wanting to have, a, have to spin up a supply chain while um, you are in the middle of battling a fire, right? Like you, you want that on the ready, at the ready to uh, to serve the needs of uh, the organization. So Jesse, I want to um, bring some clarity to our audience too about the My Mask Movement Mask and how it compares to an N95. So we've talked about the fact that it's a custom fit, that it doesn't allow air to escape around the sides, whereas the N95 is not custom fit, so it could very well allow air to make it inside. Um, 
then also there's a not a question but there's the difference between you know the filter unit that you have on the front of your mask versus a standard n95 mask which is obviously just kind of all around it could you just make a couple comments for our audience to clarify what the relative uh, capabilities or safety is of an n95 mask versus a my mask movement mask and uh, and how those compare yeah sure so <clears throat> first of all today we know that it meets the ASTM level three spec as a procedure mask. We've done very rigorous testing on it to show its bacterial filtration efficiency, particulate filtration efficiency, pressure differential, and a myriad of other tests, including flammability, biocompatibility, cytotoxicity, all are up to spec. Also fluid resistance, right? So we've done all those testing, and now we are going through the FDA approval process to get this authorized as a level as a class two medical device. But this is still an ongoing process and we hope to have that by the end of this year. I'll say this though, one of the things that's most important about N95 masks and N95 level protection is its ability to provide airtight fit, just like you said. No airtight fit means exposure risk. Airtight fit means lower risk. It's all a matter of lowering the different levels of risk. And we encourage any worker out there to wear as many layers of protection as they can, especially if they're coming in contact with coronavirus. Having an airtight fit product versus not having an airtight fit product is going to really matter if you're going to be in exposure to things like coronavirus or any other airborne particles or any other aerosol generating procedure that you may go through. And so for us, that's what we can say right now where we are at, and that's the testing that we've done. So, yeah. So Jesse, I wanna pick up on one of the thing that, that, that you brought up there and when you were discussing kind of the importation of N95 masks and, and the risks associated with that. You had effectively kind of implied that the masks N95 masks making it into America today are making it here despite the Chinese government having an export restriction. I know I've heard uh, 3M indicate that they are bringing in lots of masks and including masks they're manufacturing in China into America. Um, I also know that early on in the pandemic, there was restrictions that China had placed on the exportation of N95 masks because they were scrambling to control supplies and make sure they had sufficient masks for their own uh, citizens in their countries, which frankly speaks to your whole point about um, independent nationalism of each nation being able to manufacture its own PPE. But could you just clarify a little bit when you make the statement about the sourcing of masks coming into America, N95 particularly, coming out of China, what, what you see as the restrictions there, either early days versus where we're at today in the month of uh, September 2020? Yeah, sure. First of all, there's just so many people popping up right now that are saying they're making N95 masks. Right, and it's really hard for major corporations out there to really protect their brands and their trademarks, especially as it comes to N95 masks, right? And so I think this is a very big problem that's faced by many countries, not just America, that fundamentally is inherent in a foreign supply chain where you have a lack of traceability. Now, in terms of what are the what is the current state of export restrictions, import restrictions, is so dynamic. I think that's one of the things that we, that is certain during this time of VUCA, 
is uncertainty. Uncertainty is the only certainty. Things are in a constant flux. Today, you may be able to import some N95 masks. Perhaps they've been able to get past export controls in China. Perhaps they've been able to get past customs and borders here in America. Perhaps they haven't been intercepted once they get to your municipality. But by that time, there's been so many hands that have touched this. Do you even know where it's come from? Do you even know where it was made? Do you even know it's the real deal? I think these are open questions. And I think one of the problems today, and one of the problems that we're really trying to address is the lack of confidence in the supply chain. And that's why we really want to bring it back to America. Because if it's here in America, there's traceability and there's accountability, right? Think about it. Given the current restraints and resources that we have here in America, given the fact that there are so many people in America and also in countries like China that are trying to pump the market full of perhaps less thought out and 95 masks, who's going to go regulate that? Who's going to go inspect that? And so there's a real problem today. And that's one of the problems that we really want to do a good job with solving is to solve the lack of confidence in the supply chain. So I want to uh, bring us towards some conclusion here as we talk about this mask. There's uh, first thing, people are always going to wonder what co what the cost is. So could you talk a little bit about that cost structure generally for the mask so that uh, professionals out there, city managers, fire chiefs, people in charge of the emergency response for municipalities have some sense of this cost and, you know, obviously take take the time to break it down in comparison to traditional disposable N95 masks. Dollar a day, right? A dollar a day. Here's the problem with buying N95 masks today. You buy them in boxes of 10 and 20 and you stockpile them, right? Now, there's many things that's problematic with that approach. First of which is, are you going to be able to, when are you going to be able to buy your next box? We solved that. With our service, you pay a dollar a day. No, no worrying about will your filter come, no worrying about if you'll be able to access this during a pandemic situation, including right now. You pay us a dollar a day and you don't have to worry about procuring PPE for your essential worker for the rest of the year. And put that into perspective, right? For someone that's buying and using a single use N95, if you provide your essential worker, which is one N95 mask a day, that's at today's current prices four to $7 a day, right? So that's four to $7 a day just for one N95 mask. With us, it's a dollar a day, no bull crud, just simple $1 a day, get your mask, get your PPE, simple as that. Okay. Um, well, theoretically, it's a dollar a day for a mask that's actually more effective than the N95 because it's custom fit, correct? I mean, that's the idea behind this whole, this whole point, this whole effort. We've done very robust testing of our masks as well, too. We know that it meets ASTM level three spec. And currently, we're going through the FDA approvals process. 
And yeah, we're going for full-blown FDA approval and clearance of our mask. We're not just going for this emergency use authorization because we know that we have a product that can outperform today's gold standard, which is the N95 mask. We want to back that up with rigorous testing and also the highest possible scrutiny. Okay. Could you um, talk to me a little bit about where these masks are currently being used right now? Because obviously you're in early early stages. I, I don't know how many units you've generally put into the field or where, where they're being used. So um, cities, uh, much like many organizations and um, strata of our economy, like to know that they aren't the first to necessarily do something. They want to hear what others are doing or, or kind of what the market proof is on that. So could you talk a little bit about who's using my mask movement masks right now? Yeah, so, so far, we've deployed this to over 100 doctors here in America. Again, through Operation Centurion, we call them our Centurions, and these are our early adopters. These are people on the front lines through our networks, specifically through my co-founder, Dr. Stanley Liu, and his network. And now that we've gotten ourselves to ASTM level three spec, we are now beginning to roll this out and starting to sell to governments as well as to healthcare facilities. Okay. So um, to put it into perspective, this is how it works. If you are a municipal government and you want to provide masks to say your law enforcement or to your social workers, here's what you would do. You would reach out to us yeah, I'd get on the phone with you. I'd send over a team, including a kiosk. We'd set it up in a break room. We'd set it up at a front desk. You have each of your workers come through. We get their faces scanned. And as soon as we finish their scan in nine days, you get the mask sent straight to your straight to the door of that facility. You hand them out and we send the filters again every 30 days to that same facility. And this is ready to go now. Okay. Uh, and so you mentioned this. How do people get a hold of you? How do they find the information? Jesse at mymaskmovement.org. That's J E S S E at mymaskmovement.org. Or come to our website, check it out, learn more. Add me on LinkedIn, follow me on Instagram, whatever you'd like. And I assume the website is mymaskmovement.org as well. Good guess. Okay, just want to make sure for the audience's sake. Um, all right. Well, that's that. Uh, I think that brings us to the May conclusion. Is there one anything thing else you writer? want to you want to note, Jesse? Yes. Here's the thing that I don't think a lot of people are aware of that I think is important, especially important for people that are policymakers and decision makers that are in a position to positively affect change in society. The current generation of N95 masks are based on primarily Caucasian males ages 29 to 45. The sample size that they use to make the 10 NIOSH head forms are nearly two decades old. Here in America, we know that we are a country founded and excelling based on the diversity of our people. Every 10 years, we know that our population changes, 
which is why we do a census every 10 years. Yet, when it comes to N95 masks and PPE, two decades, two decades, almost two decades old. This is something where not only is it outdated, it's straight dangerous, and it most disproportionately affects women, persons of color, children, and the elderly. Now, one of the reasons why I left a very lucrative job to start this and go at this full time, together with a team of other people from here in Silicon Valley, is because we see a real injustice in society today. We see a problem that we want to fix. And we are not necessarily just driven by pure profit motive, but we're driven by a desire to affect positive change for society. And it's going to take the help and involvement of people like your listeners, which is why I'm here today. Because you, the audience, are in a position to bring equity to PPE. You are in a position to make sure that those who are most vulnerable and most essential to your municipality's survival can get the protection that they not only need, but they deserve. And that's what we're trying to do here at MyMaskMovement.org. We know we're a startup, but we hope that you'll join us on our David versus Goliath mission and really advance PPE in a direction that decouples our dependency on foreign supply chains, decentralizes power from centralized power, and democratizes power and empowers the minorities, and fundamentally addresses the tyranny of the majority, as our founding father said, or more specifically today, the tyranny of mass production. Thank you. All right, Jesse. Well, that was uh, quite a don't tread on me speech, but I, I get the point you're making. And obviously the power of customizing masks and being able to fit them to the unique face of every individual who is, who's out there in the world is a very powerful thing to do for the, for the sake of safety and uh, joining our battle to address the coronavirus pandemic. And that's today's report. My thanks to Jesse for joining us, for the whole public CEO team and myself, writer Todd Smith. Thank you for your time. We hope you learned something new and inspiring that'll help you in your public service. Remember, Public CEO has a daily newsletter that is free to those who sign up at publicceo.com. If you have feedback, questions, or guest suggestions for Public CEO Report, please email alex at publicceo.com.